It's Thursday, September 1st, 2016, and you're listening to episode 413 of Fear the Boot, a show about tabletop role-playing games and a little bit more. Running time for this episode is one hour and seven minutes. Welcome to Fear the Boot. My name is Dan. This is Brodor. My name's Chad. My name is Pat. All right, so we're going to roll straight into it. No announcements, no business, no... Chris left us? Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) We can finally get back to talking about things that happened in the 20th and 21st century. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I so want to record an episode with him where he's actually in the room. I thought we did once, didn't we? I have not. I'm sure there was like a Fear the Con live recording type thing. Yeah, because I mean, okay, Brodor, I will put this on you. (laughs) If you can get him in St. Louis for a weekend visit, because seriously, since we have known the man, we have been trying to talk him into a weekend visit to St. Louis. And unless there's a Fear the Con going on, he won't do it for some reason. I have no idea why, but if you can talk him into it, believe me. I would love to set aside like a weekend where we do a bunch of hardcore gaming. We cut a whole bunch of episodes. We cut off one of his fingers and count the rings. <laughs> I, I mean, I mean, it'll grow back. It'll grow back. So, so or, not monsters. or become an artifact of power. Yeah. I mean. If he is not persuaded by that pitch mm-hmm. to come to St. Louis, hang out with his friends, do some gaming for a weekend and record some episodes. In addition to the fact that his wife and children would love for him to be out of the house for a weekend. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know what to tell you at that point. We've tried. Come see your fucking friends, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've tried. I, that's all I can tell you is we've tried. So, and well, hell, I actually passed by his house or not that far from it because I was on my way up to Minnesota. You saw the vortex that, of evil that he yes, lives in? Yes, wow. and, and I saw the darkness that all the artifacts that keep him alive. Yeah. It's like draining, <laughs> like, it's draining <laughs> the sky. Yes, it's, yes. I've seen the color from outer space. <laughs> wow. There it's are, amazing. Yes, it, it is madness, and there are no words to describe it. And... I only remember it as a sound, despite it being <laughs> color. Yes. But I was driving to... You know, the color from outer space is one of my favorite Lovecraft stories. It's funny, because Lovecraft has become such cultural currency. Right. And I own a collection of his work, and I keep meaning to read it, and I keep not getting around to reading it. I, it's on the massive pile of books I need to read. But I need to read some of it, because if nothing else, like every Fallout game has an Easter egg referring mm. to the Dunwich Horror. Yes. There, there's one again in Fallout 4. There's one... Dunwich in, Horror is amazingly yeah. good. There's the one in Fallout 4 is... In Fallout 3, it, It's there's actually a building called like the Dunwich Building or something mm. like that. And you, if you find like a hole in the floor, you can drop down. And there's like this stack of skulls that's like whispering. Nice. Oh. And I, I won't tell you what the one is in Fallout 4, except to say that there is another Easter mm. egg referring to the Dunwich Horror in Fallout 4. At Gen Con a few years back, I picked up four radio plays that were done by the uh, Dark Adventure Radio Theater. Hmm. And they did A Shadow Out of Time, Dunwich Horror. Cthulhu um, Did Your Mom. Oh, God, now I'm totally going to blank on the other two that they did. Uh, Mount, at the Mountains of Madness. Yeah. And then a fourth one. I forget which one it was. But they are fantastic. Hmm. And their radio play of Dunwich Horror is boner-inducing. I mean, nice. it is brilliant. Yes, yeah, so I was driving up to St. Paul for a wedding. And to get there, if you go from St. Louis, I have to pass right by where Chris lives in Iowa. Mm-hmm. Like down to I drove through the town and I was like, Chris, I've got not just a hotel room because the place I was staying at, they only had like these suites. I mean, Pat, you were there. There is like it was like a tour, like not counting the bathroom. It was like two or three rooms. You had like a bedroom and you had like a front sitting room. And there's like this little like side bar area. I mean, it's a really nice place. So I'm like, dude, it's just me in this entire freaking suite. I'm only going to be staying there overnight. So I'm not asking for a huge waiting commitment. I'll pull over to your house. I'll make that. Five minutes to the left, pick you up, take you there. You can hang with us overnight, chill, do some gaming, whatever we're going to do. Be there for the wedding and they'll drop you back off on my way home. And I don't know if he was in his like torpor and soil from his homeland (laughs) or if he was like in one of his regenerative cycles and Mm -hmm. leaving just wasn't an option. He was in the Odin sleep. Yeah. If he'd like. So it's Shadows Over Innsmouth is the fourth one. Okay. And and that's strange. 
that he wouldn't just come out. I mean, I'm, and well, I, I thought you meant. I barely, I barely know the guy. I'm like, it's of course strange. it's strange. It's Lovecraft. Right. <laughs> what is? <laughs> no. Uh, you don't say. <laughs> but it was, a, it was seamless, a, <laughs> a seamless transition. But no, I don't. I don't know why he would not hang out with you. I yeah, mean, I, I, Chris is a weird fellow. But like I said, we've been trying for years to get him down here. I feel and, like this episode's just been running down Chris. Well, well, yeah, it's every yeah, episode. duh. But no, I, I, I thought it was a teen romance. <laughs> Here's why it's not running down, Chris. If we did not like the man, we would be trying this hard to hang out with. We him. would not be talking about it. Yeah, right? exactly. You're the right. people that I don't like, I don't make fun of. I don't try to do things with. You will notice the people I don't like. If you know who the people I don't like are, don't get mentioned at all on this show. Well, and that's just man shit, right? That's right. just man. Shit. Is that, you know, that's just what we do. Yeah, that's how we bond. We we can't show love. So instead we bust on each other and we understand that that's affection. I don't even want to know what Pat's looking at on his phone. Yeah, no, because when you can agree without looking up, then it's you just assume <laughs> yeah. it's relevant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, Pat's looking at the pornography from outer space. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I can see the pornography from outer space. <laughs> so, anyways, Welcome all right, to my games, yeah, you know. The, and I, the funny thing too is I start off this episode by saying we had no side topics. Apparently, we have tons of them. But the thing that we were going to talk about in this show is so. Do you guys remember this? I found to be quite frankly one of the dumbest things that I've ever heard. People always say that I don't have enough opinions on the show or I'm always too, you know, down the middle. So I, I think this is dumb. Do you guys remember the seven intelligences? Yes. That was kind of a the big sports intelligence. Yes. It was yeah. a pop psych fad that came up. And I first heard about it in the early 90s. I don't know when it was first invented. Somebody may have come up with this during a bad Mexican recovery <laughs> back in the 70s. I don't know. The first I heard of it, <laughs> like... My brain story is just going 14 different directions. <laughs> well, seven of them may be intelligent because the, they had this thing called the seven intelligences, which was quite frankly, by my estimation, just a way of saying Junior's not dumb. He's just differently intelligent. Mm-hmm. And they had these ways of subdividing intelligence, which I will admit intelligence is a somewhat difficult thing to pin down. What exactly constitutes intelligence and how do you measure that? is admittedly difficult but they had things in there that were clearly not intelligence like one of them is if he can't spell and he can't do math and he can't tie his shoes without assistance and all this other stuff but he's really good at throwing the football he's athletically intelligent now don't get me wrong it's cool that somebody's talented talented is fine talented gifted He's a valuable human being. Oh, he's special. <laughs> but, you know, I, I don't say this to devalue somebody. This is not some nerds and jocks thing where it, I, I'm not trying. Intelligence is the most is the one that stands yeah, out because the there were other ones. There's like musically intelligent. Right. It's like, well, what the hell does that mean? I mean, you can be a brilliant musician without being brilliant. And that's just kind of how it goes. Mm. I mean, it's fine. Look, some people are not that smart. Some people are not that strong. Some people are not that charismatic. Some people are Chris, but or some yeah. people are me. I've got the whole package. Yeah, exactly. On the opposite extreme, you got Johnny G or Chad or whatever, just rolling the whole package there. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm strong. I'm good looking. I'm healthy. Your hairline was your dumb stat. <laughs> I know, right? And even then, I make it work. Yeah, yeah. Even then, you pull that off. So, I'm getting you a box of humility for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> what do I need that for? And we're all going to write down like compliments. Like we each have to take turns saying something <laughs> nice, writing a piece of paper about Chris, and we're just going to put it in a shoebox and mail it to him and hope it gets there before he does something he can't undo. <laughs> I find him delightful. I do too. <laughs> in, like I said, insightful, I love Chris. and he has great. Great contribution when he can be heard. Uh, yes, and I agree. Going way back to what you said, that's why Chris needs to be in St. Louis on the mics because the reason we talk over Chris is not because we, in truth, don't value his opinions or whatever. It's because of the fact that it's so yeah. hard to get a rhythm of conversation when you have no visual cues. Mm-hmm. You don't see him sit up and take a breath like he's about to speak. And he can't see it with us. He doesn't right. see when we're pausing and it's a good time to cut in. He, he is missing out on so much of human communication by not being here that would be fixed if he was in the room on top of fixing his terrible audio quality. <laughs> but it's, it's wretched. It is wretched. <laughs> yeah. But all right. So anyway, so Chad, yeah. you pitched a, a topic here. Mm-hmm. And this is where this ties into the the seven intelligences is not too literally, but there certainly is a truth to the fact that people process information differently and people yes. 
get their attention peaked based on different things. So if you want to get someone's attention, you need to say different things to different people. Different things will appeal to different people. And even if you have everyone on the same page of liking the same thing, they're going to process it differently. They're going to require different presentations or prefer different presentations of the information. They're going to take away different things from it because of what they're likely to latch on to. This is one of the things I love about seeing a movie with a group is coming out afterwards. I mean, sure, you have something in common to talk about and you can compare your letter grades and what you thought of it and such. But there have been times that people have picked up whole dimensions of movies that I just didn't perceive that I just because my mind doesn't Mm. work that way or maybe it wasn't presented, but it was picked up from somewhere else. For example, with Star Wars Episode 7, Force Awakens, when that came out, I was talking to Chad about the movie afterward Mm. and Chad was commenting that it kind of seemed like the whole movie was was very similar to Episode Mm 4. But on top of that, you were commenting that a lot of it kind of seemed shallow and contextless. And so I started saying, well, actually, in the side story, they don't bother telling you in the movie. Yeah, this is the politics and this is why this is happening and this is why so and so is here and this is what the Republican is versus the resistance and all that stuff and this is what the new order is or the first order whatever it's called and i actually worked him through the history and chad kind of stops me heartway through and he's like that's really great and like serious not sarcastic yeah. he was serious that's like that's really great why was none of that in the movie yeah and so thus the movie fails yeah for terms of what it would have meant to chad that somebody else may have gone in there and say hey i saw lightsaber fights mm-hmm. i saw tie fighters right i saw dialogue that did not make me a embarrassed for the writers and actors you know it's one <laughs> i saw a star wars movie that was not just like check my watch how much yeah. longer bad and you know that was what they wanted from that movie they, they saw the tie fighters they saw the millennium falcon they saw mm-hmm. han solo again they check saw boxes yeah checked. exactly and that that's completely cool yeah. that's 100 cool that's what they wanted out of that movie mm-hmm. they got what they wanted out of that movie and that's great but when we talk about a role-playing game yeah Let's not talk about game pitches, Mm -hmm. but let's talk about you are in the middle of running a game. You have information to present. What's the problems you got in front of you? Because, I mean, you got, right? I'm going to give you a chance here to to kind of set this up. And if you don't hit all your points, I'm going to read a paragraph you wrote here because you wrote a great paragraph on this. (laughs) Oh, yay. I wrote a paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) Paragraphing wasn't your dump stats either. No. See, I've got the whole package. So... I'm playing Diablo 3 now because I feel like playing Gauntlet. And that's the most advanced version of the video game Gauntlet you could possibly play is Diablo 3. Completely agree. And I play it with my friend Chuck. And Chuck has another friend who listens to the show and he goes by Oh No A Bear. That's his candle. Okay. Is oh No A Bear. And if I saw a bear, that is one of the things that might come out of my mouth. And he has a friend named Vuk, which is he's a Serbian guy and Serb and Vuk. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but Vuk means wolf in Serbian. And it's like we had this really awesome conversation about names and such because my name's Chad and it means like brave warrior, brave knight and stuff. We're talking about how awesome our names are because I got that going for me, too. But (laughs) 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 so, uh, okay, I'll stop on that. But anyway, I believe it was Ono Bear's girlfriend was on and she is a physicist. And a okay. mathematician. So we're talking, she's got a big freaking brain. Here. Right, right, right. So anyway, we're, we're talking, and uh, we were talking about Onoa Bear. We're, because that's what women do, is they talk about their boyfriends. No. Uh, we were talking about Onoa yeah. Bear. Does this whole thing failed the Bechdel test. Right. Uh, yeah, her, her physics degree was not enough. Um, anyway, she, we, were, we were talking about role-playing games and stuff, because Chuck introduced me. And when Chuck introduces me, he goes, hey, it's a Z-list celebrity. And he gets because Chuck is a very bombastic guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's on Fear of the Boon. What's Fear of the Boon? <gasps> well, blah, 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 blah. And so it starts this whole thing. Well, anyway, one by one, people leave because Chuck's a cab driver. He's got to go get some rides out. And I did then, not know that. Yes. And, you know, other people leave for other reasons. It's just her and I on there. And we don't know each other. I mean, we just got introduced. And so we we're talking about different stuff. And she was asking me, you know, oh, so you do a podcast on role playing games. I'm like, yeah, do you play role playing games? And she's like, well, the guy's been trying to get me to play and it hasn't really been working. I just don't connect with it and stuff. And, and so I was talking to her about it and I'm like, well, what don't you connect with? And she's just like, well, you know what they do? They tell me that you can do anything. 
it's a role-playing game. You could be anything and you could do anything. And she's like, I just, that doesn't click with me. I just don't like that. And I started thinking about it. And this is where this topic comes from. This isn't just me babbling. It, it is kind of, but mm-hmm. this is where topic comes from. I started telling her about my friend Pat and about how Pat is a certain kind of role player. And Pat is a lot like you because Pat is a mathematician. Oh, I thought she loved porn. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, she does. Maybe everybody does in, in their own way. Uh, yeah. But her doctoral thesis was on friction. <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh, my God. We totally had a conversation about friction, too. Yes, but, exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I start talking to her about it and I'm like, you know, my friend Pat, He's a lot like you. And when your friends tell you that it's a role playing game and you can do anything and you can be anything, which, by the way, is the biggest lie of role playing. It is. And I told it it, they're completely and totally wrong. Yeah, it's a total lie. Role playing games are a framework and they are rules. And I don't just mean rules where, okay, I need this to roll this in combat, but I mean, it's like who you are, what you do, why you're doing it why you're interacting with people and how you're interacting with people. It's all sets of social rules. It is within a framework that is one that is not the framework that we live our lives in. It could be a framework of we're all in a pirate ship. It could be a framework of we're all 1930s noir detectives. It could be that we're all knights in armors and, you know, saving dragons from maidens. Sure. And that's sort of thing. I always love that. I always love that turn. But uh, so, and I was telling her about my, my friend, Pat. And about how when I role play with Pat, when I'm running a game for Pat, for the group, right? I'm tired of the dragons and distress trope. <laughs> <laughs> it's so overdone. Yeah, I know. So I actually ran that story for Sky and Dawn. But <laughs> a dragon being held by a damsel? In a way, yes. Okay, go but, on. But anyway, uh, so I was telling her, it's like, I have to present all this information to my players. I've got like five people sitting around the table. Yeah. And... You know, I just tell them stuff and Pat will stop me. You stop me all the time. And this is a good thing. You you constantly stop me where I'm like, well, so you're going down the street and it's lit. Like, well, wait a minute. What do you mean it's lit? How is it lit? Because we're in this blaze in the dark. It's a world of darkness right, right. all the time. And I'm like, OK, well, it's lit by these whale oil lamps. And then you're like, well, whale oil lamp, like like how are they f- filled like is there like a pipeline of whale it's like no it's it's a device that attaches to the lamp that is a reservoir and people are paid to go around and yeah, fill the fill oil the lamp yeah. fill the lamp oil and then he's like oh okay perfect makes sense and we continue and now and, there's a corrupt guild of lamp lighters oh, oh my that, god that yeah, actually right? extort neighborhoods so that they See, actually yeah. have proper well lighting. i'd, I'd yeah. be going another direction i want to know because my brain's already thinking contingency plans mm-hmm. i'm yeah. thinking there's a source of flammable oil everywhere i guess <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that nobody has latched onto that yet dude i, that I would know like, right <laughs> if i could play this game within one or two sessions someone would be burned to death every in lamp oil scene i'm on a street i would be asking are there lamps yeah but no nobody it's just like oh everything's lit right but the th- and, and i was telling her about it's giving her examples like this giving her examples like this and i'm like my friend pat you know he has a degree in mathematics and he's a very analytical guy and he's an engineer and you know for him hand waving doesn't work just accept it because I say so, because I'm the game master, that doesn't fly. That breaks his immersion. And it should. And what Pat does is he you don't challenge me, you question me. You add you want the data points. Mm. You want all the data points so that you can make the maybe not correct decision, but you can make the most informed decision. Yeah. And I was telling her, it's like that is wonderful. Because it challenges me as a game master. I have to be thinking about this stuff. The things that I don't think about, he asks me questions on. It forces me to think about him. It forces me to invent these. Like you just, a corrupt lamplighter. Oh my God, suddenly, and there's a big, there's this whole plot line that spins out of this. Right. Right. And it's great. And I love it. And, and yeah, well, and I was curious, I when you were giving this description, mm-hmm. given how dangerous and vile you've described the oceans. Yes. Where are they getting these whales from and who's getting them? Oh, that's actually oh, that's, the setting. Yeah. And, and not only has Pat grilled me on this topic, he's also started a business in game to hunt the whales. Yeah. Right. He has hired people to go hunt the whale. I mean, they're called Leviathans. They're demons and stuff. They're It's crazy. People die getting them and they're mm-hmm. like magical. It's horrible. I can totally go into that, but not. Right, right, right. 
So anyway, if John Harper's not paying you like <laughs> some kind of, he at least owes you a bro nothing. job. That's the yeah. nothing. If, yeah, if I got you have nothing. At least gotten a John Harper pick. <laughs> don't. I don't know why we're doing this. Right. But that got me thinking. So I was telling her about that, and she's like, "Wow, that that makes a lot of sense." Because I thought it was just all open, and everybody makes stuff up all the time, and there's no rules. So, I mean, she knew that there were rules, like to roll your d20 to hit this number to do this thing. She understood that, but like the way they presented it to her, because they're different kinds of gamers, right? They have a different kind of way. They have a different intelligence. They have a different way of looking at the world or, or looking at things. And for them, I assume, because we didn't get into it, it's more, it's more narrative. It's more about the story. It's may, maybe it could be a, a, one of a hundred different things. But this got me thinking because I was also thinking about my, my video cast. I'm thinking about doing, right. I, you know, RPG reports dot com not chad blowjobs or whatever the hell you guys came up <laughs> and with. and that's not lookout radio chad. no no right? lookout radio is a totally different thing we, that hasn't happened yet we came up with chattycam.com Chatty which actually might exist and redirect your site but go on <laughs> <laughs> so anyway but like i said that got me thinking about it and it's like well okay so that that's pat and that's how that is how I portray information to Pat. I didn't really even think about it. Well, how do I portray information to the other guys, to, to the other other guy? They're all women and Wayne. But how do I portray it to the rest of the group? And I'm like, wait a minute. They're all different. Well, how the hell do I I'm not. get my... You're not. You're, <laughs> uh, how They're all different. How, how the hell am I even getting all this information across? And so I was thinking about like the ways and they're different. So like, let's take Wayne, for example. Wayne... And you, Dan, yeah. are the same. You are the same kind of... I would present the information... Not the information of the game. The game, I would present the game as a game master to you and Wayne in the same way. Yes, Wayne and I do interpret the world in very yes. similar ways. Yes. You and, Soulless gingers. <laughs> you and Wayne are additive, right? Right. I can give you anything. Anything. I can say anything in the game. And what you and Wayne instantly do is you start adding to it. Oh, yeah. It's you start building and building and building. I have to rein you guys in. <laughs> I Going back to talking about a video game here for a second, with Fallout 4, they have come out with four expansions total. Three that are out, one that's about to release. At, I think it's on the 30th of this month, so it may have dropped mm -hmm. already by the time the show releases. But of the four, three of them, because one of the things they added in Fallout 4 that I was not in any previous Fallout game that I can recall was fairly developed town building. So as you go out and go into these towns and become this, you know, famous guy, well, suddenly you can start taking the area over and rebuilding it or building it for the first time and attracting people to come and live there and building facilities and defenses and like raiders and super mutants will come in and try and attack it and whatnot. And of the four expansions, three of them are either wholly or at least partially mm -hmm. about expanding your building. Yeah. And to me, I'm sure some people are like, wow, that, that I hate this. This is not what I want out of a Fallout game. But to me, I'm falling over myself because I can't get enough of that. Yeah. Because you basically say, look, here's a wrecked subdivision. Bulldoze it or don't and do with it what you will, right. whatever that may be. Up to and including you can now trap death claws and turn them into arenas <laughs> and charge admission and all this craziness and you can build your own vaults and just silly stuff. Dude, I'm having a field day with this. Sure. You know, I mean, the amount of just purely idiosyncratic, there is nobody in this world but me. Yeah. It's a single player game. Carla sees some of it and occasionally hears me laughing and looks up to <laughs> just see the deranged crap I'm doing <laughs> to my town. <laughs> or the horribly offensive signs I'm putting up. Yeah. But the point being mm -hmm. that, yes, I, I'm Wayne and I process things yeah. very similar. And one of the things we both have in common is we are builders. You gave me mm -hmm. the ability to play a knoll from the waist. Yeah. And out of that, I developed entire cultures, entire mm -hmm. histories. A Twitter account a that's Twitter. highly offensive. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, even, even putting the one knoll aside, I developed other clans, societies, culture that existed among non-Noles that yeah. lived in the area. I developed ideas for human kingdoms that existed beyond those wastes in more habitable lands. Yeah. You know, and just, you were, to my knowledge, never going to run this game. No. Ever. No. You, you were 
a player. It was just the joy of creation. Yeah. And in fact, I would say a good 75% of that, what you developed, was never going to be in the game. And I would say another 20% of that was never... No one was even going to know it. Yeah, uh, you're right. A large portion never appeared at all. Mm -hmm. And of what's left, that small portion, a large portion of the small portion was only mentioned in passing. Right. So Wayne, in our game, now he has not had the opportunity to make anything that expansive, but that's just opportunity. Most of the players are running businesses, side businesses, a little way to generate a little bit of extra coin. Like I mentioned, uh, Pat, we captured a ship. And he converted it and hired a crew, and he sends them out to go get whale to process whale oil to sell it. Not for some big grand plan, but just a little clink in his pocket. Yep. Yeah. A little, little stuff on the side. They're criminals. There was a brothel. There was a gang that ran the brothel that was encroaching on their territory. And by encroaching on their territory, I mean running their own territories that the strays wanted. Yep. So they <laughs> they kicked them out. They, they absorbed some of the gang, and they kind of inherited this brothel. Wayne's playing a a character who's a female who her big thing is prostitutes and how they're abused and used. And it's like a sort of slavery. Yeah. And about how her character accepts that she will never end. Prostitution will never end. So at least in her way, she's going to make a house, a whorehouse that is safe, that they can that prostitutes can do business in and not get hurt and not be owned by someone. And this is like little bits of that have come up. He populated his whorehouse with, I think 12 to 15 different characters handed me the document on it. And each character had at least a paragraph in it, including the cat (laughs) (laughs) full details on and by cat we're not using slang no we mean felix feels domestic yes the pregnant kitty cat in the whorehouse name background full paragraph write-up on it he describes the whorehouse he has write-ups on the descriptions of it what goes on in it who populates it who works there i know that there is more going on in his head in that cat house, which is called the golden cat, by the way, that then he's transmitted and he's just built and built and built. So that's you and that's you and Wayne. Right. That's how, and I find that as a game master, I don't actually have to do anything with you guys. Right. (laughs) So like, say I'm running a game for you and Brodor and Pat, I'm answering Pat's questions and I've never actually gamed with you, Brodor, so unfortunately, I don't really know what you're like, but I'm running the game for these two, and Dan, it's it's not that I have, it's not that I'm taking spotlight away from him, giving you the same amount of spotlight I would, but I don't have to do anything special to present information to you. You take what is put on the table, and you just go. Yeah. Right? Where so, did you saw this year, Gore game? Oh, no, it was, yeah, you just unleashed. What yeah. Brodor did in his Gore game was our characters, which were the band members of Gore. Yes. Mm. We had, and the system was called the You Tell Me system. Yeah, it was the You Tell Me. Where, so, how does this work? I don't know. Did you tell me? And, and, <laughs> and re-rolls like were it. purchased at the price of a shot of jazz. Right, so, every, so everything was a D12, because D12, the D12 is the most metal right. of the dice, right? Sure. And so everything was basically a base success seven or seven or higher, unless you had some circumstance that gave you a bonus. And if you wanted to re-roll, you took a shot of Jack, which is the most metal of the beverages. And we had things on our character sheet where we had no idea what they meant, and Broder's answer was, you tell me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so One of the ones on mine <laughs> was that my character had won The Price is Right. Four, four separate times. <laughs> he had been on The Price is Right and won. Now, what effect does this have in the game? And you says, tell me. You tell me. So and you're like, okay. at the start, Crack knuckles? <laughs> okay. Yeah, so like, at the start of the game... It begins with the people that were fighting come into our, our gore palace or whatever as we live. Yeah, I forget what it was. I came up with and some weird name about they were they were juggalos, right? The, oh, and, that was it. Yeah. and they destroy the gore jet. Yeah. Oh. And so I say, that's not a problem because and I looked up some exact plague. Uh Jizmax, the gusher, the drummer. Uh-huh. Yeah, the yeah, guy, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so 
I am like, that's not a problem because fortunately I like I have an airplane and that's a Lear something something <laughs> right. that cost me twenty four million nine hundred <laughs> and I looked up the price of this plane down to the penny on my phone. Yeah. And I gave its exact price <laughs> and said I want it on the price is right for exactly twenty four million nine hundred ninety two thousand four hundred seventeen dollars and thirty eight cents. Right. And at first I was getting a little annoyed. I was like, What's this what is he doing on his phone? That's not <laughs> cool. And then bam, he hits me with it and I was like, Okay. Yeah, that's amazing. And then it became a sh- his shtick right. through the rest of the game session. I had everything at an exact yeah. price for it. <laughs> nice, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's what you're talking about. I'm an inventor. You know, yeah. he 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 gave me something and said, "Run with it," and I ran with it. Oh, they did, man. The table was it was insane. So to switch gears now to to different people, Beth and Dawn are actually incredibly similar. And how I present information to them. They, it's, it's a lot like Wayne and you are, but they don't add, they, they don't build and spin off. Dawn does a little bit, but it's all like in her mind. And I'm guessing Beth is a lot like this too, but they are to some people. I think this might sound insulting. I don't mean this at all. In fact, I love it. They are accepting of what I'm presenting. They don't, question they don't need all the data points they don't question its veracity they don't need a certain type of information to build off of they go with it yeah I've they are they're I, in there i've man. seen it too people yeah. that and that's great I think the way that i would put it is they they play along yes if i say to you you walk into a room there's a dresser there's a door and a window mm-hmm I know whatever happens next will involve the dresser, the door, or the window. Right. It's not going to involve them pulling back the carpet to see if there's... Was there even a carpet? Yeah. Who knows? I don't know, man. You tell me. I think there is. (laughs) Right. Right? Like, that's my game master. Uh, uh, Is there there a carpet? Sure, there's a carpet. $3.49 per square yard installed. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, it's... and it's got Odorous's face and, on it now. And I actually, there's, we still need to do that follow-up show to the mental health one where we talk about gaming as a therapeutic tool. Yeah. But there was something that one of the people that I want to have on that episode talked about. I was talking to him about his game mastering style. And I noticed something that he was doing in his game mastering. By the way, don't anyone ever ask me to do this again because I won't. He was like, hey, you want to see some of my game mastering stuff? I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I, I, you know, I have no commitments, but if you sent me, mm-hmm. I'll take a look at it. And so he sent me, it was an online game, and he sent me a log of it that was 128 pages long. Wow. Okay, now I have a lot of love for this guy, and there was an, there's a reason I was willing to read that that I'm not willing to disclose on the air. There's some other things going on there. But the point being, please do not send me your 128 page <laughs> TMing logs. I'm not going to read them. But one of the things I noticed he was doing as I was dissecting this mm-hmm. was I noticed that at the end of every major descriptor, in almost Infocom style, and I think mm-hmm. I talked about this on a prior show, he gave a list of, like, here's some obvious things you could do. You could talk to this person. You could open the book that's on this table. You could walk through this door. Now, he did not force the players to do that. Right. But the point is that, nonetheless, he gave them, he presented to them very specific action items mm-hmm. that they could choose from. So you did not get somebody who was looking at the situation and if you just do an info dump, they feel, I don't want to say unled. I'm not sure what the right word is I'm looking for here. But mm-hmm. they just, they don't, they have trouble kind of figuring out, well, where? You don't want them to well, get analysis paralysis. Right. Well, or in some right. cases, they're trying to help you. They're like, well, I, what does it use the GM need me to do here? Yeah. So we actually, this past weekend, went to Kansas City, game with my brother and some friends. And at one point in the Star Wars game that we were playing, one of the players looked at the game master and said, look, I'm, I don't want to be a jerk here, but where's the adventure? Yeah. Is the adventure here or do we need to leave and go over to this place where the adventure's at? And the game master was super cool about it. Joe's like, the adventure's over there. And so as a party, we were like, great, then we are going to get together, grab our kit or gear, mm-hmm. and we're going to go over there and then continue. So I install the game. I did something pretty similar for Little Sexy a couple weeks back on our online game mm-hmm. where we are we live in this world where it's like dark sun in the sense that magic is screwing up the world mm-hmm. 
And it's also kind of having this Wally effect on the world where everyone's getting atrophied and lazy yeah. and dumb because they're, they've gotten so used to magic doing it all. But it is also having a deleterious effect on nature and things like that. Yeah. So it's kind of a mashup of Wally and Dark Side, deleterious. I Deleterious. I like that. Yeah, yeah no, a, I, that, there's my $5 yeah, word. Yeah, that's right. But, <laughs> Fear the boot, word of the month. Yeah, exactly. Does your sports intelligent kid know that one? But the point being, though, that we are this group that's trying to get people to see what's going on and right. to stop before it's too late, before society has reached the breaking point of some dystopian future, which mm. it hasn't yet. You're on the front side of the dystopia. And so we are going out and the idea is to convince people peacefully if you can. If not, then maybe you got to do some terrible things. And we were at one point in this tower, and it was clear we were being jerked around by this stupid mage that was on some council and was basically jacking us around or whatever. I was getting sick and tired of it. And the character I'm playing is a sort of a con man information gatherer. And when it reaches that point, if someone is really off the ranch, blade in the night guy Mm -hmm. from the church, which, you know, of course, doesn't use arcane magic. And when this guy just kept yanking our chain and yanking our chain and running us around, we were up the top of his tower. And it's like it was clear there is this action, this action, this person we can talk to. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to defenestrate this fucker. He's going out the window. (laughs) (laughs) We're up in a tower. Your dumbass fault for living in a tower. Not my fault. It's 20 stories down. It's my fault. You're going to fall 20 stories. But hey, tomato, tomato. (laughs) And so I but I stopped and I said, George. I said, I'm about to go gonzo. Mm -hmm. I said, if you want us to keep playing the politics, which the other players were doing, and staying chill and trying to convince people and investigate for clues to find corruption or something, Mm -hmm. you need to tell me this because I'm about to go gonzo. Are you okay with that? Yeah. And he said, no, that's totally fine. And I asked the other players, are you guys okay? Because you're clearly trying to play the politics, and I'm about to go Gonzo. And they're like, we're cool with it. I'm like, okay, George, I grab him, I throw him out the window. Mm. And out he went. Wee. Wee. And Pat's like, misform. (laughs) Yeah, baby. (laughs) But there are some players where they don't want to do that. And so if you walk into a room and you say, okay, here's the room, and there's no obvious buttons to press, it's not per se that they're too dumb to know what no, to do. No, it's not at all. It's just maybe they don't understand what you're expecting or where the game's going. And with Dawn and Beth, what is great about them is that they're not like that. You you put them in the room and they're role-playing. I mean, they're interacting, they're role-playing, or they're searching the room, or they're doing stuff. You know, there are other players where I have to make it more obvious. You know, I have to I have to lead them. If you put them in a scene, they're happy to be in the scene. They are happy to be there and their characters are deep enough. They're just going to do their thing. Yeah. You know, and, and do you even care about scene versus do you just want your character there? I mean, that's, that's another one I think you could look at. You know, you're talking about like gaming and therapy for Dawn. This game is her therapy right now because she is playing someone she has never a type of character she has never played before and she's been gaming since she was a teenager and this character is brash angry drunk violent dangerous <laughs> it just looks at me yeah brodor's looking around all nervous so I'm just like, i know what he's thinking yes, right. I right yeah she is a cousin <laughs> Cigar smoking, mm-hmm. like tripping there, LSD, fighting the cops. There is putting there mom time, through the wall. Yeah. That <laughs> was there, Bob. There are times. I mean, we're talking. We have a group of really dangerous criminal, you know, yeah, yeah. cutthroats. And there are times when it's like, okay, we're all dangerous and shit. And then Dawn's like, oh my god, in character, I'm pissed. I'm gonna fucking murder him. And then everybody at the table is like, we just back the. Because we don't want there was a scene where she like there was a brig and there were a couple of guys in the brig and they were it's this gang that they had to kick out of the area for, you know, taking over their whorehouse that they didn't own yet. And so they had this ship and there was a brig in there and 
there were these like cages that like short, small cages that you put dog in, but they put people in them. And there were a couple of guys in there, fighters, gang members, that sort of thing. And they go in and Dawn is like, give me a minute. She walks in by herself and closes the door behind her. The rest of the gang is in the hall and they're like, okay. <laughs> and, and she just annihilated everybody in the room. They, they, I think somebody like peeked in and was like, oh, and they closed the door. And locked the- <laughs> she needs a minute. It's like that scene in Watchmen when Rorschach is in yeah. the jail and that there's that little person right. who's harassing him <laughs> and you you just see him you know once he gets all of his stuff back from impound yeah he the you know the the criminal runs into the bathroom you see rorschach walk in and the door it's it's on like hinges with springs so it's right. just kind of swinging back and forth and you see like a shot of them and then the door closes, and you see another pose of them and then the door closes mm-hmm. and then you just see blood start pouring out you have yeah. no idea what occurred in there but you get the point right <laughs> it's right you don't you understand the gist of what occurred in there mm-hmm. the way you put it when you were setting this up on the forum and mm-hmm. i like this paragraph is different people connect to and understand a game world as presented by the gm and that's you underline that to note that that's what we're talking about here. So the GM's mm-hmm. presentation in different ways. Some people need a framework of rules. Uh, some people need the history to understand where the world came from to grok where it's at now, while others only need to see what is going on in the moment and react intuitively. Mm-hmm. That's something else that I yeah. see. There's a distinction you made there. That's something else I've seen is do people want context? Yeah. You know, it, you're being chased by a guy who's the bad guy with the gun is that sufficient information for you? Yeah. And for some people, it is. I get it's the for bad Don guy. and Beth, they don't need the context. It's it's bad guy number six yeah, shooting special effect to number 23. Pat, don't care. Wants but, to know, wait, a gun? What do you mean a gun? Are we talking like an assault rifle? Are we talking a pistol, yeah. a slingshot? And this guy I mean, You from, don't necessarily get that deep in the weeds, yeah. but. And he's but a bad guy. Yeah. Well, who's he represent? Why do they want to kill me? Why is he bad? Does he just have bad breath? Or yeah. Is, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, is this a big organization? Should I be afraid of this guy? Does he have friends coming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, some people need that context. I yeah. saw that very much when I was running my game for my family because there, a lot of those people either had not gained much or had not gamed mm-hmm. at all. And so I didn't have any idea how to present the game world to these people and many times they didn't even know the questions to ask. Yeah, yeah. And so they it was it was very interesting because at times they would stop the game and they would be like, okay, help me put this together. What does all this mean? And like, how am I supposed to fit into this? Like, what's expected of me? What am I supposed to yeah. do right here? It's that thing that and we it, we'll go back to the beginning of the episode where we said, it's a role playing game. You can do anything. Yeah, you could be. No, that's bullshit. Yeah, that, that's ridiculous. No, you can't be anything. No, you can't do anything. Sure. I okay. Fine. Then I want to play Voltron and D anD D. And right. instead of rolling dice, I want to do tea leaf reading on the inside of a donut. Oh my god! New game. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, yeah, it's 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 role playing's biggest lie. Yeah. You cannot be anything you want and do anything you want. I mean, maybe in an intentionally comedic Gonzo Con game. Sure. But in a regular sort of structured game, no, you absolutely cannot. Now, it is true that your choices are broad and mm-hmm. diverse and outside of normal i mean you know dan and i don't play role-playing games where we play server admins and developers yeah you know it's and so it's it was a very difficult situation because mm-hmm. at times they didn't know the questions to ask and i didn't know the information to give them and one of the things that my youngest sister rebecca did was she took something called the cadet orientation source book or the cadet orientation book or i can't remember, it's something to that effect and it, this is from the fastest Star Trek game. And all it has is sort of, if you've never heard of Star Trek before, mm-hmm. it just gives you an itemized list. It's like a really, really, really short, picture-heavy encyclopedia hmm. and of all the major things in the setting. And she read that cover to cover. Now, she didn't totally understand the context of all of it, the fact that Fast was drawing heavily from the Star Trek cartoon, which I've personally never seen. I'm it's actually really good. I know its elements. I know, for yeah. example, it introduced the Edoans and the Cadians mm-hmm. and, and some other things like that. The Star Trek cartoon is exactly like classic Trek if they had today's budget, but they didn't, so they made a cartoon. Yeah, because it's in a cartoon, actually, really good. You don't have to make the costumes. Yeah. It's the reason why 
the Simpsons can have an episode in space and Family Ties can't. Yeah. <laughs> or didn't, I wrote. I'd name a current sitcom, but I really don't like sitcoms, so I don't know any current ones. Pretty horrible. Mm. But point being, um, Thor, oh, you're What I was going to say is, is that, so obviously as the game master, you want to, for the entertainment value and the quality of the game, you want to cater your information dumps mm. To the specific players, yeah, right, and that, not even information dump. Just yeah, it's probably a bad choice. Yeah, presentation is a much better choice. Yeah. Information dump was a bad choice of words on my part. But what I was going to suggest is that don't you, as a player, have some semblance of obligation to adapt to the game master's style as well? I mean. This road goes both ways, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I want to work with the game master on how they like to run their game, how they like to present things, and try to adapt my play style to some degree to accommodate their play style. I agree with you in theory, but it is not something that I require of myself because I like to challenge myself. I like to make things difficult for myself. I enjoy challenge the example is going back to pat pat as a challenge yeah. it's a challenge yeah. pat asked me lots <laughs> of questions and is constantly looking at porn so i have to make <laughs> the game better than porn and i have to be able to answer all of his questions and not just like well hmm, i pat's a good guy and i know that i could look at him and he would understand i could say i don't know the answer to that question let me get back to you on that let me think about it you would not mind one lick yeah that is unacceptable for me. He mm. asks a question. He's trying to role play in that scene, in that moment. Immersion is crumbling with each second. It is my job to answer that question. You know, something I found when I'm the game master is it is a very, very difficult choice to choose one of the two extreme options, which is either to attempt to bait the hook with every kind of bait to try to put a hook into the water that's going to attract every potential kind of fish. You will be sitting there yammering on forever <laughs> yeah. trying to give everything the stuff they want. It's a master bait. Yes, if you will. it would be a master bait. <laughs> yes, exactly. I and, get it. <laughs> <laughs> he's talking yeah. about sexuality. Yeah. But the other option mm-hmm. is to simply pick one and run with it. Yeah. Which if you do that in rapid fire succession can work. But if not, you tend to exclude players. What I have found helps, or the way that I handle this, is I try to cut a bit of a middle ground. Mm -hmm. For example, I might describe the scene in abstract, give a little bit of history. Like, there's a statue here, which you guys know is a memorial from a a battle three years ago. And if somebody wants to ask me about it. I thought you were referring to one of the many toys we Mm -hmm. have on the table. No, no, no. (laughs) Outside of Noah the Destroyer here, I don't (laughs) know. But... The, with his headless dove <laughs> so metal <laughs> he did he did bite it off right i know yeah, now he's sad that he, he's looking at god with that big sad lip and he's yeah. like god my dove broke <laughs> can i have another one and god's like it broke because you bit its head off and no it's like, actually i'm sorry you, the problem that you're going with here is you are assuming that that's a dove See, what well, this is some creature that didn't make it didn't forward make because it. King Noah ate it. <laughs> Notice how there's only one. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's we don't know what the f*** this is. <laughs> right. It, this, this is some mythical creature to us now. Did you guys see the... Mother f***ing Noah ate it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the robot chicken where... I don't want to look at him. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the robot chicken where all the mythical creatures... Yes, for trying they to go to Noah's Ark. I'm going to have to. Oh, I haven't seen I'll that. link that in the show notes because yeah, it's freaking hilarious. But what I do, for example, is mm-hmm. I might describe the scene and say, well, there's this this monument here, which, okay, there's a bit of background story. If somebody cares, they can ask me about, but I'm not going to linger on it. And I move on and say, you know, such and such and whatever. And if I then look around the table, so mm-hmm. I want to get some idea of what's going on here. And say, you know, I might say to someone like you, Chad, because you're fairly self-motivating. Mm-hmm. Chad, what do you do? And if you got a question, of course, I'll answer it, but I, I can probably stop Do you there. even get through the whole sentence of, Chad, what do you do before I'm telling you? Not often. I- but if I get to someone who I know needs those hooks, mm-hmm. or I know is a little more unsure of themselves. So let's say I look at my sister, Christina. Sure. And I might look and say, okay, Christina, you know that... The ship's warp drive is offline, which means you're not going anywhere. So that needs to be fixed. You could go down to engineering and take a look at that if you want. 
or you also know there's an energy spike right about the time it went offline. So you could go maybe over to the science console and see what you can learn about that energy spike. Now, if she tells me, yeah. you know, I'm going to do none of the above. I'm going to go start working on something completely unrelated or go role play with somebody. The I'm replicators gonna, are just not putting out the chocolate milk I like. Yeah, so that's you know, what I'm working on. I'm not going to stop her. Yeah. But at the same time. I know she has enough uncertainty that if I just tell her role playing's biggest lie, <laughs> you can do anything. Right. Y- you know, I go to the holodeck. I'll see you in uh, five hours. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you in my refractory period. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He comes oh, out. Holy sh- <laughs> We've got a problem to solve. Why are all these red lights and sirens yeah. going on? We, we okay, have a major we're going to do this, this, I, and this. We have a major crisis to solve. I have to fix the ship. I'll be right back after I masturbate so I can actually think about it. (laughs) (laughs) But the point being, what I do is in the scene description, I might put, I mean, I have to be true to myself. I have to run my game. I might put little grains in there that I know are for each person or to appeal to multiple styles. But where I really go back and try to refine things is by taking the temperature of the table. So I say, okay, What are you guys doing? And if somebody says something, okay. If somebody's not saying anything or the table's dead or I'm going around one at a time saying, okay, is this getting too crazy? Mm -hmm. Pat, what are you doing? Chad, what are you doing? Broder, what are you doing? And I know you guys have different styles. Then, you know, I might say things like, okay, Chad, there's this crazy alien restaurant over there because I know this is something you're going to want to do and I'm just going to have this totally over top NPC. And I might say, like, Pat, you know that the device you're carrying could interface wait, with wait, the wait, data wait. panel Hold if on. you want to. Tell me more about this restaurant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you, we, This happened in one of our games. Yeah. You went to one where it was kind of like it, it was a sort of really off the wall version of like a Ted Nugent kill it and grill it. <laughs> <laughs> Except it was this alien species. It's, it's They're really advanced. They're yeah. highly intelligent. They're actually more sophisticated than humans are. But just as humans hunt and, and mm. sort of like that connection to nature, whatever. Their thing is there was a particular animal that's all in the menu of animals they eat and they're fast not the well, the aliens are fast but these creatures are are it's prey yeah. you know they're they're really fast they're really nimble they're really good at evading and so they had taken over a lower section of the space station where they would basically put you in an area that was set up to look more or less like their home world and that was the game is basically yeah. they'd set it loose and th- in their physiology, they had the capacity to catch and kill this thing. For humans, a hell of a lot harder. Yeah. Because you're not as fast as they are. You're not as strong as they are. You're just not built the way they are. Mm-hmm. And so that was what you went down to. You went down to that <laughs> restaurant, and we played a little mini game of you trying to catch this thing. Yeah. And then eat it. And I believe you did successfully do so. It was a bit mm-hmm. of an undertaking, but you did successfully do so. Whereas Pat, I know he's more technically minded. Yeah. And so if I get to Pat and I say, Pat, what are you doing? And, and Pat seems a little perplexed. He's looking at his character sheet. I might say, well, okay, I know Pat's a technically minded guy. I know he's looking for metaphorical buttons to push. I might say, well, you do know that uh, there's a good chance your data pad is going to be compatible with the network on the station if you want to try and dig up some information. Now, I probably don't even have to say information on what. Pat's a smart guy. He'll figure it out. Mm. But telling him that that's there might help him. Yeah. You know, Brodar actually never gamed with you, so I have no idea what I would tell you outside of... Gwar's playing a concert at the <laughs> yeah. space station. <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I would say I mean, to you. It's the new lead singer. I'm not so into it. Yeah. Whatever. Hmm. I cook spaghetti. I cook a pretty generic dish. Mm-hmm. And then if people start stumbling, if nobody's reaching for the spaghetti, then I start pointing out the other dishes and other spices that are on the table. Yeah. I have one more person to talk about in my group, and that is Sarah. Wayne's wife. And Sarah is actually a lot like you, Pat. She asks me lots and lots of detailed questions. If I present something, she will instantly start asking me about it. Well, you know, especially if it like even tangentially relates to her character. She's playing like this alchemist type person. So like if, if there's a trap, like they're trying to break into a safe, it's like, oh, you detect a trap. Well, you know, what is the trap? Well, the trap is it, it's a bomb or gas cloud or whatever. Every single person around there 
Pat, you might be like, well, okay, you know, is this going to kill us or can we bypass it? I'll give you a few bits of detail. Like, okay, I can now make the decisions I need to make. Mm -hmm. Everybody else like, oh, well, you know, it's a trap. What will my character do? They wouldn't care or they would care or, you know, they'll roll skills or they'll talk about it or whatever. But she is different. She will ask, well, what kind of trap is it? Well, it's a poison gas trap. Well, what kind of poison gas? Like, well, it's this kind. Well, what's the mechanism behind it? How is it? Is it inside the safe? Is it outside the safe? All of it, it, it's different. It's a different motivation than what Pat wants. Pat wants all these data points so that he can make decisions and that it also, the frame, you know, you can do anything, the greatest lie. The, the reality is that there's a framework and the questions define the framework for him. She does not care about the framework. What she cares about is advantage she believes her character is always disadvantaged so that she needs to have the most advantage the most advantage does not come from rolling high or having good stats or doing this min max sort of character or it's finding the loopholes in the information finding the loopholes in the information it's knowledge she gets knowledge is power and you know what she's right knowledge is power and the more you understand something the greater advantage you have over it and so she asked me a lot of the same kinds of questions that Pat does, but for different reasons. And I like it. I like it for the same reasons that I like Pat's questions, because it makes me think. It challenges me. It forces me to think about the setting. It forces me to get in that mind space. Right. It stokes the creativity. Right. right. And I also like it because I know what she's doing. She's not trying to take advantage of me or the game, but she's trying to build her character up to be as advantaged as her character can possibly it's be. It's her strategy for success. Exactly. It's, it's not she's not taking advantage. It's right, right. It's her strategy for success, like you said. For me, as a game master, I look at it a little differently in that this is now more of a mechanical thing. It's all narrative. There's no numbers involved. But now this is going into more of a mechanical realm. So now I have to, instead of just giving her detail, 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 to really consider the level of detail I give her and what advantages she will be able to drive from those because I need to give her something. I want to give her something, but I don't want to give her something that is going to give her character so much advantage to where she unwittingly grabs too much spotlight for her character and takes her character to a different plane that the other characters are because she isn't trying to do that. She's not trying to steal spotlight. In fact, she does things to give spotlight to other characters or to join her spotlight with other characters and she is not really interested in having the most powerful character that's ahead of anyone else so she will do this unwittingly i believe and so with her it's a balancing act because the immediate gut animal response is to see what she's doing she's trying to take advantage of me no and it's just like well well how's this no well it just works accept it that's not how to do it that's not how to handle it you have to answer her questions, give her the detail. The questions lead somewhere. Mm. I try to jump ahead of where she's leading the questions to, which is in the case of the trap, to extricate the trap from the safe so that she has it so she can make it into a bomb that she can use. <laughs> yep. She's done this a couple of times. <laughs> so, and to great effect, actually. I did that in our, well, it wasn't quite the same, but I did that in our most recent online D&D game where I found a trap and there were other individuals in this dungeon that mm -hmm. were just as oblivious of the traps as we were. Yeah. And so I found... I was working out ways to not disarm the traps, but, but just temporarily right, yeah. jam the mechanism so we could walk over it and then unjam it right yeah. as we walk past. So if the other things happen to wander by, they get blown up or fall into right. spikes or whatever is going to happen to them. So with Sarah, her question, like I was saying, her, her questions lead down a path. She has a goal. My job is to answer her questions, stall for a little bit of time, try to suss out the goal she's working towards right and then immediately leapfrog to her goal give her what she wants on my terms so that she can get the spotlight she wants she can feel advantage as a character she feels special it doesn't overshadow anyone else's character and she doesn't get so many bombs she's blowing everything up like the mad bomber that what bombs at midnight mm -hmm. so yeah baby yeah <laughs> yeah baby yeah that's Another 
kind of thing that I have to deal with. The, the, another way I have to present information. I'm a big fan of the questioning player as yeah. well. I, I like all. I love the accepting player. Right. I love the questioning. Though player. I am with I Chad, the I think you, the questioning players, if they're questioning to the point that the their questions are dominating the game, where it's just one more question, one more question, one more question. And it's like, okay, I've been explaining this trap for 15 right. minutes. Well, and, it, and it could become burdensome, but in my fifth edition group, pretty much, I mean, one player in particular mm-hmm. is more questioning than the rest. But generally what, what will occur in a scene is one person may ask a question and then it may lead another player yeah. to ask another question. And it helps flesh everything out, not just for myself, but for the, you know, for that one yeah. individual player, but for the group as a whole, I find it very beneficial. Well, I think that Dan, you hit on something interesting here too. Like what are the disadvantages of these? For instance, the example of the questioning player, you know, where it's just like ask so many questions, so many questions, yeah. so many questions, because it's a one-on-one conversation. Well, with and I player, think, but... for example, if you go to the opposite extreme of the players that need the choose your own adventure style, I mean, if the greatest live role playing is you can be anything and do anything, the greatest, I think, loss of a role playing game, I think, where you'd really miss out is if you start to see it as a choose your own adventure, yeah. as you can only do as many things as there are buttons on the controller. And you don't start using your imagination, understanding you can act outside of the box. And the game master presenting you possible actions starts to become your go-to. And you don't ever exercise your imagination or add anything to that world. Or I mean, and that's cool, I guess. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not disruptive. It's not harmful. But some part of me would feel like... You're not getting your money's worth out of being here. Yeah. I mean, you could, I could hand you a choose your own adventure or any console RPG and you'd get the same experience. Right. But there are those players that, I mean, chiefly what they want is the entertainment value yeah. or I the socialism. Yeah. The socialization. But I, I've seen with plenty of people over the years where that player is, I mean, from the outside, it looks like that they don't participate, yeah. but their joy is is the entertainment value yeah. of watching everything unfold. And it's not that they don't contribute, but they're it's few and far between. I think the the accepting type of player, uh the the Dawn Beth example, the problem with them is that there's no motivation. There's no goal. Everything is very in the moment. They're very accepting of what's going on in that moment. And as a game master, I need to know where the group or where players want to go or where they are going so that I can plan ahead of that. And actually that that's a problem that I ran into right now is that we wrapped up this big gigantic murder mystery that we did. That was the one where I talked about how I messed it up and it was all, you know, horrible and I I got real mental about it. But we came back and then we had a really great game. We had a really really awesome game. Everybody did awesome and it was so cool. But now it's like okay, we closed that and I do not know what the strays want to do next. There's this whole menu out there and it's like, I can't plan anything because all I can do is just like put out some threads. So the next game we play, I'm going to have to put out some threads and then I'm going to have to ad lib most of the game, which is not really a problem for me, but right. it would be a problem for other people. But like getting back to it though, the players that just accept it, I can put the menu out there. They're just fine holding the menu. It's like, okay, you got to order something. <laughs> you, <laughs> right. I just or, can't or read the you, menu. Or you have to pick, right? Right, you have to, right. You know, the, sir, by the way, the, the sea bass is fantastic. Yeah. I recommend that you have that. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that's hard for me. Yeah. That's hard for me because I want to run a more sandbox. Right. But, game, I, but, I, but I'm yeah, sure that you have the yeah. conversation. Okay, guys, we just wrapped up this big story arc, you know, individually mm-hmm. and collectively. What do you want to pursue? Yeah. Yeah. What's the disadvantage with the builders, though? You and Wayne. I think you pointed it out at the very beginning that mm-hmm. you have to confine them. You yeah. have to rein them in or they're going to go crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 I think let it's, Dan I think, go with Gnarl. I think because that was part of the game. Was Well, like, that's what I was going to say. Is yeah. I think it actually becomes incumbent upon the person doing the building to have realistic expectation for how much they build mm-hmm. is purely for their own entertainment. Right. Because it's one of the things I hate as a game master is I oh love it when people God. are invested. 38 pages of a character. Yeah, when somebody like... hands me a phone book and then starts nagging me within 30 minutes about whether I've read it or not. 
and how much of it's going to appear in the game. And three and games if you in, were, why have you not put in my dear Aunt Sadie that's on page 28 of my write-up? Yeah, ex- like, exactly. And it's like, you know, that was something that I think Wayne and I did a pretty good job of being fair about, is there are yeah. things that we created that came up and they were pure RP. For example, Gnarl having pups. Mm-hmm. Pure RP. Yeah, It was not a plot point. You know, I you didn't were building an army. Admit it. I, well, I mean, the point <laughs> is they were never going to come of age. I mean, right. in, in I was assuming gnolls mature more quickly than humans do, but yeah. we're still talking years. They're not going to come of age and you know, like be whatever. But the point is that it was just something I, I ran with, and yeah. you know, when I created that mage that had driven them north to attack the humans. He was a plot hook if you wanted him, and if I never Mm -hmm. saw him again, it didn't really freaking matter. And I think that's where it's incumbent upon the builders, is you have to make sure they understand, look, it's cool you wrote all this, but I have a story I'm trying to tell here. Now, I want to incorporate it. I realize this is our story in many regards, but I am still the gatekeeper of what, you know, the story being told at the table. You have to accept to some extent that... I cannot consume this information. I cannot remember this information. Yeah. And please be realistic about how much of it is going to come back up in the game. If you didn't enjoy writing it for its own sake, then next time save yourself the time and just give me a one-page write-up. But that's the cool thing about you and Wayne. You guys do it for your own amusement. Yeah. And it creates a buffet for oh, exactly. me. Yeah. You, you, I can pick and choose yeah. all the little parts. It's your I menu. Want. It's yeah. it's we, we recommend the sea bass to you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's wonderful. So all right, I think this we're gonna wrap this one up. We may come back to this one as it sounds like you know, I say that on a lot of things we usually never do. But anyway, we did leave this one with some thoughts we might come back to, but Thank you guys for tuning in. Have a great week and great games and love to hear what your styles are of consuming information, what you've seen at your table. So drop by the forums or whatever, or the blog or something, let us know. And we will catch you next time. See bass you later. This has been a production of Fear the Boot, copyright 2016. Listeners are free to use this episode in any non-commercial endeavor so long as credit is provided to feartheboot.com. You can find previous episodes and other resources at feartheboot.com. Fear the Boot is also a member of the RPG Academy network of shows. You can find other great shows in this network at therpgacademy.com slash network.